Grace, peace, and mercy is yours from the triune God. Amen. Kyrie eleison. Lord, have mercy. There's a setting of the liturgy that I despise above all other settings of the liturgy. Because the Kyrie is so bouncy, it sounds like a Fanta commercial. <laughs> Kyrie eleison. On our world and on our way, Kyrie eleison every day. I kid you not. It's like a soundtrack of Up With People. And every time I hear it, I think it sounds like at any minute the congregation might bust out with jazz hands in a dance line. And this all bothers me, A, because let's face it, I'm an insufferable snob, and B, are we or are we not begging Almighty God to have mercy on us? Kyrie eleison indeed. We say or sing it every week, Kyrie, the one piece of the Christian Mass that's still in Greek. For some reason, it never made it over to Latin with the rest of the liturgy. But what do we mean by saying, Lord, have mercy? Some may say it's asking God to not punish us for our sin, to not rain down fury and violent retribution on us, and maybe there's a place for that, but maybe... Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy is just shorthand for please do not punish us by our sins. Maybe asking for God's mercy is like saying, we beg you, God, that our sin is not the final word. We beg you for your mercy to be with us because ours is not enough. We pray for your wisdom to be with us, your loving kindness to be with us because we just don't have enough of our own. And we keep messing everything up. It seems that especially in situations where we are overwhelmingly aware of our shortcomings and smallness, that we beg this of God. Peter surely understood this, if anyone did. He had been a, a common fisherman when Jesus walked by and said, follow me. Peter dropped his nets and everything he'd known and followed this Jesus of Nazareth. And with him, walking the road together, Peter had seen great things, miraculous wonders, healings, acts of power and grace. Peter was the first to call Jesus the Messiah. He was, above all, earnest in his devotion to Jesus. And yet, when it came down to it, Peter, like so many of us, was unable to live up to even his own values and ideals. When the hour of Jesus' betrayal and death came, Peter could not be the man he hoped he would be. Peter did not bravely stay by Jesus' side, choosing instead to slink away and anonymously warm himself by a charcoal fire. But you just can't warm feet that have gone that cold. And he did not go unnoticed as he wished, because three times he was asked that night by passers-by, wait, you know him, don't you? And three times Peter said, I do not. He loved him, yet in Jesus' hour of death, Peter denied he even knew him. He was tested, and he was found wanting. Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy. I simply cannot imagine what Peter felt about himself after that. Could he have been filled with anything, anything 
but unfiltered remorse and regret and self-loathing? How could he live with himself? I do not know if Peter was punished for his sin, but I'm certainly, I'm certain that he was punished by his sin. How many times after Jesus died did he replay those hours in his head wishing beyond hope that he could just go back and change it, rewrite his own past? Lord, have mercy. Who among us can't relate to that feeling? So in our gospel text for today, when, when Peter jumps into the sea and encounters Jesus on the beach grilling fish over a charcoal fire, I imagine Peter's olfactory triggered memory of another charcoal fire from a couple weeks before, a charcoal fire around which he had warmed himself with his own self-protection and fear, denying his Lord and warming his hands. Charcoal must have been his own smell of shame. But the resurrected Christ did such an unbelievably loving and beautiful and merciful thing. He does not rebuke Peter for failing him in his time of need, which he could have. Instead, he gives Peter breakfast, and then he gives Peter three chances to proclaim his love, one for each of his denials. Do you love me, Peter? With the smell of charcoal in his nostrils, I wonder if Peter could possibly have answered yes without tears in his eyes. I have failed you, Lord, and denied you in your hour of death, despite everything in me that knew it was wrong. But yes, three times yes, I love you, Lord. Have mercy upon me. The adjective so often coupled with mercy is the word tender. But this mercy was not tender. This mercy was a blunt instrument. Mercy doesn't wrap a warm, limp blanket around offenders. God's mercy is the kind that kills the thing which wronged it and resurrects something new in its place. In our guilt and remorse, we may wish for nothing but the ability to rewrite our own past, but what's done cannot, will not be undone. The words that we have spoken cannot be unspoken. Our past cannot be rewritten. But I'm here to say that in the mercy of God, it can be redeemed. I cling to this truth more than perhaps any other. I have to. I need to. I want to. For when we say, Lord, have mercy, what else could we possibly mean than this? Many of you know that a week ago today, a friend of mine, who <clears throat> happens to be a Lutheran bishop, got into his car after having a number of drinks. He was on his way to an official church function when he lost control and hit and killed Maureen Mingle, a 52-year-old mother of three who was running on a jogging path near the road. Kyrie eleison. What could possibly be filling every inch of his jail cell right now except remorse, regret, self-loathing and wishing he could just go back in time and not get in that car. If he could just rewrite the past. If he could just not have done that horribly negligent thing that day, Maureen would still be alive and he would not be facing years in prison and the emotional lead vest of knowing he's taken a life. He could still be doing ministry 
in helping Palestinian Christians, in supporting a hospital in India, in loving people. That's never going to happen. And there's enough tragedy in this story to go around and for everyone to have seconds. And all I know is that while he cannot rewrite his actions from last week, I simply have to cling to the tightly to the truth that God can redeem it. That is not to minimize the unspeakable loss of life. And it's not to minimize the need for justice. But God is a God of Easter. And earlier we heard the story of Saul's conversion. Saul had been traveling about hunting down Christians like he was competing in a first century religious persecution version of the amazing race. He'd been present at and approved of the stoning of the death of Stephen and was on his way to round up more Christians for jail and execution when he experienced the resurrected Christ. And after the blunt instrument of God's mercy was done with Saul, he would be renamed Paul, as in the Apostle Paul, who would then start many of the early churches and who penned most of the letters in what is now called the New Testament. All of that is to say, God is a God of Easter, and God can redeem anything and anyone. And that is to say, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. To say this is to lay our hope in the redeeming work of God, the God of Easter, as though our lives depended on it, because they do. It means that we are an Easter people, a people who know that Good Friday is never the final word, that resurrection, especially in and among the least likely people and places and situations, is the way that God redeems our crap out of even the biggest messes we make. I've made some doozies in my life, and somehow the fractures and the lacerations caused by my selfishness or anger or my sharp tongue or drunkenness are never the final thing. God's redemptive work in the world is the final thing. So either God can redeem everything or God can redeem nothing. And I I sit here before you believing the former and not the latter because it is Easter and the tomb was empty. And because Peter the Christ denier became Peter the rock on whom the church was built, and Saul the persecutor of Christians became Paul the apostle, so Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, the God of Easter can redeem anything. Amen.